0: If your business fails, it doesn't matter. Did you grow? If your business succeeds, it doesn't matter. Did you grow? And I found that really liberating because I was feeling like a failure for failing consistently. But when Rao changed my mental model, and he he uses the word mental model, I started seeing failure as simply a means to growth. So when you see failure as a means to growth, you become immune to failure. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. I want to share the four values and how to implement them in your life. Now, you don't have to take all four, you could take one or two or three. You might develop your own value, but the important here is. The philosophical understanding and then the application. If you don't apply, then the understanding is nothing more than fuzz at the back of your mind. Now, the first value actually came from Rao himself. Rao was speaking at Mind Valley Live in Los Angeles. And after he got off stage, he came and approached me and he said, Vision, we got to take these ideas bigger. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I teach at the best MBA schools in America and I can tell you that they are teaching the wrong thing. So I'm like, you tell. He says, they teach you that your life is about your career and your money, and that's wrong. So I'm like, what should they teach? And he goes, what they should teach is this. I now call this rule number one. And it says, your work is not about your work. Rather, your work is nothing more than the greatest vehicle for your personal evolution. He said, personal growth, perpetual growth, should be your ultimate identity. And you must put your personal growth before everything else. Now, this part may get a little bit controversial. Before your work, before the title of CEO, before your billion-dollar company, before your marriage, and before your children. If you agree, feel free to snap. If you don't agree, don't do anything. I'm not saying you have to agree. Like I said, these are just philosophies, right? I'm simply stating what Rao said. He says, if you make personal growth first, everything else grows. So it doesn't make you selfish, but everything else grows. But what happens is you escape from the rules that tell you how to be and what to do. And that is when you're truly operating from your soul. So this becomes rule one. In fact, what Rao said is that if your business fails, it doesn't matter. Did you grow? If your business succeeds, it doesn't matter. Did you grow? And I found that really liberating because I was feeling like a failure for failing consistently. But when Rao changed my mental model, and he he uses the word mental model, I started seeing failure as simply a means to growth. So when you see failure as a means to growth, you become immune to failure. And that is the real beauty here. So. Rouse rule is also best illustrated in this really cool quote I saw a friend share on Instagram, and it says this, grow so fast, your old friends have to get to know you all over again. So I want to introduce you to a term, right? I call it rose, rate of self-evolution. Your rate of self-evolution. Your rate of self-evolution or your rose must be the ultimate thing in your life. In other words, your life needs to be about personal growth. Many of us forget that. We make our life about our children. That's wrong. If you look at the concept of conscious parenting, which Shafali Sabari teaches, your children are nothing more than the vehicle for your greatest evolution. She, Shafali, who has been on Oprah seven times, says, You are not there to teach your children, your children are souls to teach you. Likewise, your work and your business is not there for the title or the money. No, those are bullshit constructs from the culture scape. You will get that if you make your business about making you grow. So personal growth becomes everything. Now, I want to introduce another idea which I really like. This comes from the book, Atomic Habits. So in the book, the author says that we often approach personal growth wrong. We want to lose weight. So we say, it's going to be about the process. I am going to do this particular exercise. Or it becomes about the outcome. I am going to go from 30% body fat to 20% body fat. And the book says that's actually wrong. Don't think about outcome, don't think about process. You really want to shift, shift identity. Think, I am born with this incredible body, which is going to stay young and athletic forever. Or I am a Spartan, or I am always healthy, fit, and muscular. When you make it about the identity, you get the outcome and the process becomes effortless. You don't have to use willpower. So the toolkit is identity shift. How do you engineer identity shifts? I learned this really powerful technique from Christy Marie Sheldon. She's one of our Mind Valley teachers. Now, she calls it lofty questions. So first, you decide the areas of your life that you want to create anew. And now, in the morning, during your meditation, you do not say an affirmation. You raise a question to your subconscious. You see, affirmations don't work. Jose Silva, the great mind science pioneer, established that in the 1980s. If you are not in a healthy state and you say, why am I so ripped and muscular? In the back of your mind, there's going to be a little voice that says, no, you aren't ripped and muscular. You liar. You ate that pizza last night. And if you're going, what voice? I don't have that voice. That's the voice. So, you guys got that? So, lofty questions are different. You trick your subconscious. You don't give a statement that your subconscious is going to inevitably make you deny. You actually create a statement like that. Why do I wake up every day feeling connected to sauce? Why am I such a powerful learner? Why am I running a $100 million company? Why do I have such a living and exciting relationship? Why do I have the fit, muscular body of an athlete? These are all lofty statements that I do, right? Now, the beautiful thing about lofty statements, and you can, you can design your own. The beautiful thing about lofty statements is your mind cannot deny them. Rather, you are posing a question to your subconscious, and if you're in the right state of flow, I believe that it activates your subconscious to find you the answers. So let's look at that last one, right? Why do I have the fit muscular body of an athlete? I started saying that in January 2016. January 2016 and I was not fit. I was okay, right? But you know I was at maybe 22% body fat. I met Eric Edmeads two weeks later. Is Eric in the room? There he is. I met Eric Edmeads two weeks later. He was teaching people the Wild Fit diet. I got on Fit. 90 days later, I'd gone down to 14% body fat. It was amazing how fast it worked. I tried to lose weight for 10 years, I couldn't. I tried to have a disciplined gym practice for 10 years, I couldn't. Within weeks of stating this, using this statement, my body shifted. I was disciplined. I was only attracted to good food. And then weird synchronicities like meeting Eric came into my life. I got on WildFit. Now, it didn't stop. Six months after WildFit, I'd lost weight, but I wasn't still athletic. I bump into a guy who works at Mind Valley, and it turns out he's like a workout genius, Lorenzo. He developed the 10x protocol, and now he starts training me. And then, you know, from that, the ripples start happening. A hundred people from my team went into a Wild Fit, and then into 10x. And now that statement for me is true. Now I state it to maintain it. So it's crazy how when you shift your identity at a subconscious level, the world shifts. But remember what Michael Beckwith said the law of attraction is incomplete. It's really the law of resonance. When you change who you are, the world will shift to make, to ensure that who you are is true. So, it starts inside. Don't think attraction, think resonance. So, that was value number one. But you get there when you embrace personal growth as the number one thing. So I want to encourage you to try the Lofty Questions exercise. If you want to go deeper, get on Google, just search for Lofty Questions, Mind Valley. You'll find a free five-minute video on it. Now the second thing is envisioning. Being dedicated to your personal growth is amazing. But how many people do we know who have great bodies or who spend so much time meditating, but they are broke? They're not contributing to the world, especially true with many spiritual people. I believe the point of spirituality is not just to go within, it's to go into introspection so we can emerge and actually shake up the world. I call it the unification of the Buddha and the badass. You want to merge both. The world doesn't need more Buddhas. The world needs Buddhas who are badasses. Ken Wilber in his famous essay, "Egolessness," said, the great spiritual saints and sages of the world, from Moses to Padmasambhava to Jesus, were not feeble-minded milquetoes. They were movers and shakers, from bullwhips in the temple to subduing entire continents. They rattled the world with the force of their ego. So, as you embrace personal growth, it doesn't remove you from the world. If you do that is not personal growth, that's probably a cult. <laughs> you want to embrace personal growth where you worship the Buddha, you go within, that you use the insight, the satori moments, the intuition from that to get out there and fucking shake up the world. Agree? So this gives us rule number two, dream big. And when you dream big, the problems become small. Too many people in the world are worried about stupid small shit, the guy who didn't text them back, for example. But when you dream big, what happens is the little stuff doesn't matter because you have something far, far, far greater Michael Beckwood said, this is the difference between needing motivation, needing to be pushed towards a vision, or having a vision for your life that's so big that it pulls you. He says, when you get it right, motivation is bunk. You do not need to attend motivational seminars because you are pulled by a vision. You do not need to be pushed to get there. Agree. So when you dream big, your problems become small, which is why what I try to do in my life is always try to dream bigger and bigger and bigger. So after AFES became successful, we decided to try Valley University, for example. You got to keep your mind focused on bigger and bigger things. So you got to be happy and grateful. All of that is great, but you got to keep envisioning a better vision for yourself. So here's the toolkit. Now, interestingly enough, the toolkit to being able to take on bold goals starts with having small goals. Elon Musk gave a really famous interview to Neil deGrasse Tyson, the famous physicist. And Neil asked Elon, how do you have the cojones to go out there and start Tesla and SpaceX and PayPal and tackle all of these big things? And Elon Musk said, when I was a college kid in America, I decided to do an experiment. I decided to see if I could live on $1 a day. And he found out he could. He could go to Walmart, buy ramen noodles for like 50 cents a package in bulk and live on a dollar a day. He was living in a student dorm, so he didn't have to pay rent, and he said that gave me the sense of safety that I could do bigger things. When I knew my survival was guaranteed, I was able to think really big. So many of us have irrational fears that come from evolution as pre-humans in the savannas, but when we understand that the world is ultimately safe, we give ourselves liberty to do big things. So, the technique here, and this is what I implemented, is something called self-fueled goals. So you have big goals, yes, but as a baseline, you have goals so simple that you can activate them instantly. The definition of a self fuel goal is this, if everyone you knew in your life abandoned you and you had no one, and you were homeless in the streets of New York with no money, could you still hit these goals? Let's look at them. Why am I always surrounded by love? Notice these goals are worded as lofty questions. When you truly understand love, you find that love comes from within. The ultimate love is love of yourself, agree? Now you can be homeless, you can have no one around you, but if you know that you can activate love within, that goal is activated. The second thing is, why am I always learning and growing? Learning is free these days. You can be homeless in the streets of New York, you can still go to the public library and check out a book. It's free. Now the third one is, why is the universe always unfolding for me in the most amazing way? If you're homeless in the streets of New York, take a walk down Central Park. You can still do that. It's free, and you will be gifted with the most amazing nature and scenery you can imagine. That is the universe unfolding for you. So when you understand, when I started to understand that I could be homeless on the streets of New York, all neediness disappeared, all fears disappeared. The idea that I might lose my company disappeared, it just didn't matter anymore because I knew I was safe on planet Earth. and so the trick to big goals starts with the little goals. And when you know that the little things, the self-fuel goals are there, you can think big. But that's just step one. So in my three most important questions under experiences, growth, and contribution, there are little goals, but they are also big goals. But the little goals, they're the foundation. You got to have both. Too many people forget these little goals. Write them down. Think about what are the little things you want in life. Maybe it's to always love yourself. Maybe it's to always feel connected to source. Maybe it's to always appreciate your body. You can start on these immediately. But now, you need what I call the bold goals. Now, for the bold goals, what we implemented in Valley was actually a secret we learned from Google, and it's called the Google goals technique. Larry Page invented this. Really simple. This is a great thing to do in your business. 50% of your goals should have a 50% chance of failure. So Literally, it means if you're using OKRs, if you have four or five goals for the year, one to two of your goals should have a 50% chance of failure. If you have, say, eight goals, four of them or two should have a 50% chance of failure. That means it's a coin flip. Now, when you do this, two things happen. Number one, you truly dream big. And number two, when failure happens, it's okay. That was the whole point. So in Google's culture, 40% 40% of all their corporate goals they fail at, their failure rate is 40%. Google failed on Google Buzz, Google failed on um, Google+, Plus, but it also gave the world YouTube and Gmail and the Android phone. But by making it a stated goal to have goals that have a 50% chance of failure you unlock yourself to really dream big and to have moonshots. So this became a really important rule. So at Mind Valley, every department has that, the company has that, and soon every individual is going to have that. Okay? So that is idea number two. Now, the third one, really simple, unity. So again, you can be creator. You can be incredibly self-transformed, but unity is the one that ensures that you are a healthy self for the human race and you're not manipulating or cheating or taking advantage of other people, right? You're doing it for the good of the world. This brings us to rule number three. Your life is not about you. Rather, your life is about the lives of everyone you touch. Now, this rule came in a really interesting way. We were at Valley University in Barcelona. Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God, had come down. Because what many people don't know is that Mindvalley University was inspired partially by the future societies that Neil wrote about in his Conversations with God books. So, I brought him down to teach the class. There were about 300 of you in a room. And one of you, she may even be in this room, raised her hand and said, Neil, what do I do in those situations when I wake up in the morning and I feel sad or depressed or unworthy? And Neil said, remember, your life is not about you. Rather, your life is about the lives of everyone you touch. When you remember this, and when you make your life about service, you will never wake up feeling depressed or lonely or afraid or worried again. He went on to say, when you walk in a room, set an intention to heal the room. Even if you're one out of 400 people coming in, make your life about service. So the whole crowd was really, really, really like, taken in by this idea and really resonated with it? If you do, give us a snap. So, how do you do that? Well, you got to identify what is called your North Star. Your North Star is that part of you that you want to use to serve the world. Elon Musk, really simple, his North Star is colonizing Mars. And the fact is, you don't have to know how to get to your North Star. I um, got to have an audience with Elon Musk once, and I remember he told our group, when we asked him, so you know, what's the big picture? This was like 2015, before you know, he was as famous as he is today, and he says, I want to colonize Mars. And he also said this. He said, it's probably going to happen in around 10 years. I don't know yet how to get there. I'm thinking around 10 years. I sometimes miss my deadlines. He was really humbled about it. <laughs> but when you think about how Elon Musk talks, he doesn't talk about how he runs a rocket company he talks about how he's going to colonize Mars, and that's what excites his employees. Do you know SpaceX is the number one company great engineers want to join? But there are 19 other companies that do the same thing. Jeff Bezos has Blue Horizons. But why SpaceX gets all the attention, even though all SpaceX is, is a vertical trucking company. Regular trucking company moves goods this way. SpaceX moves goods this way, vertical trucking. That it's the most desirable company to join for the world's greatest engineers because Musk doesn't talk about vertical trucking. He talks about colonizing that red planet. You see, the secret here is to always have a frame of reference where you imagine your life 10 years ahead for your business, for your craft. So I started something really interesting. When people would ask me, What did Mind Valley do? I actually would not talk about what we were doing now, I would talk about what we were doing in the future. If you look at our website from 2016, when I started embracing this, and you can go back on archive.org, you will see I spoke about starting a university. I spoke about going into health. All of that happened. WildFit, Mindvalley University, I spoke about what wanted to happen 10 years in the future. What's funny about this is when you speak about the future as if it's now, people want to follow you. Customers want to buy from you. People want to be part of this future. And it's okay if you fail because remember, 50% of your goals are supposed to have a 50% chance of failure anyway. And I state that. I'm like, all right, this is the future I'm going to build, but um, halfway, it's not going to happen. Do you want in? And people want in. So, this is one of the most amazing things. It is the power of speaking about your life and what you're doing 10 years into the future. Try it tonight. When somebody asks you, you know, that awkward question, what do you do? pretend. So, how do you embrace this future thinking and how do you bring this into your company? Now, there is a trick to it, right? The future that you want to build has to be a future that supports unity. Elon Musk doesn't want to colonize Mars so he can be the first man on Mars. He wants to colonize Mars so he can back up the human race and make us an interplanetary species that is thinking about the other 8 billion cells that make up the human colossus. That's how you want to talk about the future. Now, maybe you run a company that is not working on something that bold and ambitious. Srikumar Rao once told me about a story where he was teaching a class and the CEO in the class ran a company that manufactured window glass. And the CEO said, Srikumar, how do I speak about 10 years in the future? All I do is provide a commodity that's glass. And Rao said, but isn't it true that For one week every year in your community where you employ 200 people, you take all your employees and you allow them to go and work for nonprofits like an orphanage or a soup kitchen and you pay their salaries for a week. That is how you contribute. You're helping contribute to a more compassionate world. So speak about that. You, he told the CEO, are taking a stand for service. Speak about that. It doesn't matter that you manufacture glass. If people know that that is the core and the soul of your company. They will want to join you and you will inspire people. So, Rao, in other words, said, don't try to be inspirational. Instead, be inspired. This CEO wasn't inspirational, but he was inspired by the people who worked in soup kitchens, by the people who clothed the homeless, and he wanted to give his employees that experience. So, how do you do it? The toolkit is take a stand. Like Martin Luther King spoke a lot about this. He said, Power without love is reckless and abusive. Love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice, and justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. So you take a stand. For example, when uh, me and Eric did a WildFit campaign last year, we took a stand against Nestle. It became the biggest news story in Malaysia, and what we wanted to do was expose how Nestle was getting kids addicted to sugary drinks and putting it up as energy drinks. And it was huge. It became the biggest story in the country for seven days. And Nestle lost their health ratings for their Milo, which is a crappy product in Australia, New Zealand, and they introduced zero sugar Milo in Singapore, partially because we took a stand against this $80 billion company. Another thing I wanted to share, and Marsha Weeder, who's in the audience, asked me to share this video today because she said it really touched her. When Mindvalley was going through this shift in 2016, right, when Trump won the election, we felt that while we hope he does well there were certain things he said that were very much against our value of unity. We're a country that employs people from 54 countries. Ola Abbas, who runs our big events in the US, happens to be from Sudan, a country whose nationals Trump wanted to completely ban from entering the US. So I'm like, no way Trump is going to affect my Sudanese friend here. We need to speak out. So my team and I created this video. Now remember, back then we weren't as big as we were, but we took a stand. And it's very important that if you... Absorb the value of unity, you act on it, and you stand up for what really matters. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast.